Welcome to the Intelligent Change Podcast. I'm here with Tim Gray, aka Tim Biohacker. Thank Thanks you for being me. on. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, you know, you were part of our Intelligent Change Summit, was it, which was an incredible. But I want to really find out, and where I want to start is, how did you get into this whole biohacking space? Where did the journey begin for you? I didn't know I was a biohacker for like five years. This is the thing. Um, I I was running a marketing agency. I was getting up at eight a.m finishing work at seven o'clock, um, getting home, working, stuffing some food in my face, diving into bed, wash, rinse and repeat five days a week and then getting wasted on the weekend. And, uh, the usual. Yeah. Yeah. For I mean, the pretty UK, much, yeah, it's the healthy lifestyle. Um, eating, you know, a piece of fruit a day because you've got to eat some fruit and some veg and probably snacking on prep, prep sandwiches or something, thinking that was healthy because it had salad in it. Um, I uh, went traveling and came back and then uh, kidney stones hit me, strangely. And it'd been after having antibiotics for months and months and months and months. And I won't bore you with the full details, but essentially it came to a burnout point. You know, I literally couldn't continue anymore. And I was forming kidney stones and I was super stressed every day whether or not I was going to pee another one of these things out or get it stuck inside. And it was pretty painful, like extreme. Um, and um, it, that's where it began. And then I had more and more antibiotics and, you know, the, because of the kidney stones and various things going on with my health, I was peeing 30 to 50 times a day. And it's like, so it, just insane. And how old were you? Uh, so this was 10, 11 years ago now. So Very young. Yeah, so it was 33, 33-ish. Um, just like I went from being, you know, okay, not even really getting hangovers, not having any health issues to falling apart to the point where I couldn't leave the house. You know, my mum would have to drive me to the doctor's. And, you know, as a 33, 34 year old, having to be driven to the doctors by your mum is a bit, you know, and I'd been very successful to that point. I'd run multiple companies, you know, the, the company was doing millions a year. I was like super happy in my work life. Um, I guess it's just the straw that broke the camel's back. So, uh, actually I, I sold a piece of the company to, um, a dude that came in as a COO to structure the company and put things in place to take some pressure off me. And he one day tipped some MCT oil in my coffee and it was a, a floating layer of oil in it. And he was telling me about this bulletproof executive dude that, you know, that can switch your brain on and whatnot. I didn't really pay much attention to it, but I had this layer of oil in the top of my coffee for a year or so and, and worked the best I could, but my health deteriorated more and more and more. Um, and then one day, um, someone sent me a link to bulletproof, uh, radio with Dave Asprey and, um, then I heard what a biohacker was. And until that point, I'd done gut cleanses, taken hundreds of supplements, tried all the different things. None of the doctors could see anything on the test results. In fact, you know, <clears throat> when I, I was in and out of the doctors, you know, every week and one week I'd been in five consecutive days. And I said to him, like, what's wrong with me? And he shrugged his shoulders and said, can't find anything wrong. And yet, you know, I was falling apart. So it showed me that typical medical route couldn't really help with what I had going on, even though everything on paper was fine. So I just dug, kept on digging. And um, yeah, so I heard about Bulletproof Radio. I heard this podcast with Dave Asprey. heard about some other cool things such as hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And um, I tried hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Loved it. But there was a place out in Kent. So I'd have to travel two hours to get there, have an hour session, two hours back. So that's five hours twice a week. And I just felt alive from it. And I realized that there was something in this alternative treatment that could help me. So I decided to open a clinic, which I did in Mayfair in hyperbaric oxygen therapy, just so I could use it myself. 
started reaching out to a few influencers and uh, getting a few people in the, the kink. And then I became Tim Biohacker. So uh, I've got Dave Asprey and his podcast to thank, you know, for introducing me to the mindset. And then it's kind of evolved from there. And that was about 2015, 2016. And how, what has been those kind of really pivotal things that you did, you believe I'll say top three that really made the biggest difference in making that difference in your life? Um, number one, the biggest thing is knowing that the medical system is great for medicine and great for treating symptoms if you've got something going on, but the root cause of health issues, often they don't have a clue because they are trained in universities with pharmaceutical mindset first and have, you know, maybe six to eight hours of nutritional training in their whole six or seven years of training. I mean, there's, there's the warning sign right there. Don't get me wrong. Medical system is fantastic. If you break your leg, have an emergency. Fantastic. They've literally saved me. I'm not going to complain. However, <laughs> the functional mindset or the alternative health, there is a lot of great things in there that can help. So my point is medical system, alternative and functional should work synergistically to help chronic health issues and uh, emergency care. So number one is trust that your doctor can't be trusted with everything. That's the biggest thing of everything because that's the mindset shift. And second would be mm, sleep properly. And what do you mean by that? What is sleeping properly? Because yeah. people are like, I go to sleep, I wake up, I sleep. That's <laughs> exactly. It's binary for people. I sleep, I don't sleep. It's good or bad. Point is, is we sleep so that we can reverse the damage and heal, i.e. we're saving energy while we sleep to use that energy to repair our bodies from the damage done during the day. So if we need seven and a half to eight hours sleep and we only sleep six, there's an hour and a half of healing or reversing damage missed out. You may feel okay and you may think, oh, I can get by on six hours, but your body isn't having the recharging time. It's like having your phone plugged into the wall for half the time and expecting you to have a hundred percent battery. It's just not going to happen. So people think sleeping is something that you have to do just so you don't feel tired. But in fact, it's something you have to do to reverse the damage. Number two. And what can you do within that? There's a whole variety of things that you can do. For instance, stop using lights after sunset because light stops us secreting our sleep hormone or wearing blue blocking glasses, which is what we're famed for wearing. You look crazy and like a diva-like, but that light entering your eyes tells your brain it's midday, especially if it's bright blue light like we've got on the camera here, behind the camera. So that would be one. So people that track their sleep, such as biohackers typically do, will see their sleep stages, you know, and it's a rough estimation because you can never track perfectly, but it tells you a rough outline of how good or bad your sleep is more than, yes, I feel good or don't. And then all the different things you can do to optimize your sleep. So most, in my opinion, most issues that people have had with their health could be reversed by improving their sleep properly. And the next one, it would be hydrating properly. Now we're a large percentage of us is water. And if that is crappy water full of toxins and heavy metals or pollutants because it's come from the tap and we're expecting to replace our high quality water in our body with crappy water from the tap, how can you expect your electrical system to work properly? Because electrolytes come from water and from food sources, obviously, which are minerals. How can we expect to have the right energy and repair properly if we haven't done those two things properly? And when I'm on stage and I ask people who here, you know, tracks their sleep or 
you know, sleeps more than seven and a half hours a night. You know, so few people put their hands up. And how many people actually drink properly filtered or purified water and remineralize it so you get the electrolytes? Hardly anyone. These are two of the fundamental things that we need for health, and yet nobody's doing them. So can you let us know how do we properly rehydrate water or create water source? Like, what are the, you know, I have maybe a water filter or maybe people have certain things, but I'm still curious, even myself, in regards to how can I have a high-quality water source? So it's very difficult unless you're next to a, a spring in the mountains somewhere to have mineral-rich. Like, for instance, if you think about it, a stream comes down through the mountains, through the rocks, comes out. It's mineral-rich and live water. It hasn't got all the chemicals and nasties in it for, for the first point. Now, if you're drinking tap water, especially in a city, which is even worse, obviously it's gone through a whole load of processing. It's got chlorine in, which helps kill your gut bacteria. It's got all the different impurities. And if you look at the, the piping system, and you can, you can Google this, looking at what the mains water pipes are like, you'll see that they're rusty, corroded, have loads of crap in them. You're drinking that. What can you do about it? I mean, you can filter it with a normal filter, which helps a little bit, like with a Brita filter. But to be honest, that's just ticking a box and making you think that it's good. You can use various other purification systems like distilling, but that makes it dead water. My preference personally, and what I found works for me, is reverse osmosis water filtering. And you can get an undercounter one done for 150, 200 pounds, um, where you just have reverse osmosis water on tap. And then what I do is I sprinkle a tiny little bit of Celtic salt, which is uh, 78 to 82 trace elements and minerals, as comes from the sea. Um, which gives us the minerals we need. Now, the thing is, if you drink water low in minerals, your body needs more water to get the minerals levels that we need for our blood. So if you're drinking low mineral water, you're constantly thirsty to drink more water, which means you're being filled up with more water, which means you pee more. So this is why people are walking around with two litre bottles of water coming around the gym and this and that and the other, walking down the street needing water because it's so low in minerals. And in fact, they're needing more water to get the minerals that they need to rehydrate. So if you reverse osmosis it, very simple, you can get a countertop or under counter and a little pinch of Celtic salt, you will retain the water better, you'll be more hydrated, you'll drink less and you'll feel better and your brain will be alive because you have the electrolytes for your body. So this is where chronic fatigue is a massive piece. People aren't drinking enough or they're drinking too much. And this is where my, my 30 to 50 times a day peeing came from. I was so dehydrated. I was drinking more and more water but not getting the minerals. So I pee more. And I found out actually for me specifically, I was deficient in potassium. And by adding potassium back in on its own, helped me retain the water. And within two days, I stopped peeing 30 to 50 times a day, five to six times a day tops. So it just shows how easy it is. And yet you find a doctor that would ever tell you that. And I think you, what you were speaking about is like, you you'd think very fundamental things that so many people miss. As you said, water and sleep. If you think about it, those are like, the two ingredients to life you know mm -hmm. you can't survive without either of those yep. and, and it's the, the foundations so i think uh, I, I would love to actually get a little more tips from you on sleep and mm -hmm. potentially what are some other you uh, gave some tips in regards to uh, avoiding blue light but in regards to regularity and, and going to sleep do you also believe potentially that some people are you know have different sleep stages where they, you know they are night owls or early birds or whatever you want to call it. But I'm just curious of your other takes and tips on sleep because I think it's so important to cover these two. Ultimately, we're all different, but we're all the same. 
and I think there's probably less than half a percent of people are actually are night owls. There are people that are more light sensitive than others. So if you think ancestrally, we would be in camps and you would have a few people that sit up and keep watch at night. Okay, so there might be those ones that always did that. And so therefore their genes are more wired to be awake during the night just because they feel so. But we also evolved with campfire and not with household lights at midday height light. And our skin is photoreceptive. Our eyes are very photoreceptive, which is why we have vision. And so if you have light that's at midday height and blue light, this obviously wakes us. Some people are so much more light sensitive. For instance, I have a friend of mine that has had like five to 10 minutes of deep sleep ever since he had an aura ring. He's always felt shocking. He was very successful corporate, um, but could never sleep properly and felt shocking. And he was just struggling to get by. So I said to him, try blue blocking glasses and it moved it like 1%, nothing. It's like, it's very strange. We tried everything to get his sleep organized, you know, tried for instance, eating around before sunset so that your body's not processing food while you sleep. Um, tried winding down, reading, wearing blue blocking glasses, everything. So I said to him, I want you to do a test for me for three nights. At sunset, I want you to turn all the household lights off. I don't want you to play with your devices. I want you to use only candlelight, which is, you know, the, uh, more red light spectrum than blue flickering light. And wear blue blockers and go to bed, you know, when you start feeling tired. Anyway, so we did that. And all of a sudden, his deep sleep went to 25% overnight. And within three nights, he said, I can't believe it for the first time. I can ever remember I've slept properly. I feel amazing. He was super light sensitive, even though he always thought he was just a night owl. He would actually sleep when he was exhausted because his body just couldn't continue anymore. And then would wake with sunrise in the morning because that's the circadian rhythm, basically saying time to get up. But he was just exhausted. So there are things like that. Eat before sunset. Um, you know, some people actually sleep worse when they don't. So actually a teaspoon of honey before they go to bed actually gives them the glucose that they need so their body's not in fight and flight. They actually sleep better. It's good to test that one. Um, make sure that you're hydrated before bed, but not too much uh, because otherwise you wake up to pee. Um, but if you have the right minerals, you'll retain it. Um, yeah. Um, wear blue blocking glasses after sunset. Don't play with your device in bed like this with blue light. It just stimulates, stimulates you and says secreting melatonin. Um, there are various other more intricate things such as wearing, having a grounding bed sheet, uh, which means that you're earthed out, giving you a flow of free electrons, which helps your body repair better and sleep better. I find some people that have like, for instance, a grounding bed sheet or spend half an hour in the garden every day. And we can talk about grounding in a bit. Um, actually have the level of electrons in their body that they need for their body to operate electrically and therefore they sleep better. There are intricate things you can do as well that sound woo, um, but grounding now there are actually 23 studies, including peer-reviewed studies showing how grounding, um, which is a flow of electrons from the earth into our body, um, actually benefits health and performance. So it's not woo anymore. And yet, you know, people that are old school are saying, oh, I don't believe in that crap. Yeah, definitely. And when you think about grounding, because you said the this kind of grounding sheet, oh, I always think about like, especially places like in these modern cities now where people are living these skyscrapers on like uh, floor 80 uh, or in Dubai or somewhere like that. Does that, uh, I, I just think like you're so far away from the ground. Does it affect, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, so 
the earth is electromagnetic. And if we're contacted with the ground, like for instance, our feet sweat mm. and we have moisture on our feet, which helps us connect to the ground. And you can measure the voltage of your body when you're grounding or not. And you can see how it adapts based on you standing on the ground. Okay. If you're wearing rubber sole shoes, you don't connect to the ground, but you are nearer it. You are much nearer. For instance, one of the grounding bed sheets I use at the moment, it's from the Samina sleep system, no affiliation, but um, has a magnetic earthing bed sheet. So you're not lying on metal, uh, like silver lined bed sheets. You're, it's magnetic. The nearer you are to the ground, the more connected you are to it. So in theory, if you're on floor 50 of a tower block, nowhere near earth, you're not getting any free electrons. So you need to be in the garden or standing barefoot on the sand or something or other like that. Because our body is very, very simple, but very complicated. Think of the sun as the positive and the earth as the negative. And lightning strikes the ground and connects. And then that gives the free flow of electrons to the earth for us to collect when we're standing on it. But if you're not standing on it barefoot and you're high up in a tower block, you're not going to be getting that. So I question how someone's health could flourish in that scenario. And in fact, astronauts have a similar problem. And look at all the technologies that NASA create to keep astronauts healthy because they're so far from the earth, so far from nature. And yet people would call grounding woo. Yeah, I know. I think I'm, I'm personally been practicing grounding by, you know, I think one of the most important things to me is to have green space uh, as close to where you live. So even if you don't have a backyard yourself, maybe you're close to a park or you have a, some sort of a garden that you can access to. And I found that for myself, because I've been now doing this probably for almost the last decade since I lived in London, is on a daily, you know, one of my kind of morning routines is I try to get out uh, to the garden as early as I kind of wake up. And I usually do kind of my uh, little yoga, stretching, my seven-minute workout uh, barefoot. And uh, when it's not too wet here in the UK, I'm able to do that. Most of the year, it's actually fairly good, even when it's sometimes a little frozen ground, I, I go out. And what I've noticed after years of doing that, if I find myself in a city, uh, let's say Lisbon is a good example, beautiful city, but there's not a lot of actually green space. Um, mm. And I, I literally am like, oh, I just don't feel as connected mm. when I'm not getting my kind of charge uh, of, uh, of that force. Mm. And I think I'm able to notice it because I've been doing it for so long. Uh, and maybe it's some sort of a placebo or something like that, but I do see a difference. So what's your take in regards to, I guess, uh, the grounding effects and, and how to, what kind of maybe protocols or things that people can implement in their days to interact with the earth? Because a lot of us don't. Mm. It's a very, very good point, actually. So first of all, if you look at someone's blood, red blood cell under a microscope, um, dark field, you will, you can see someone that doesn't earth very much or if at all and you'll see that the red blood cells will clump together after 40 minutes of grounding you'll see that the red blood cell is equidistant it's putting the charge electrical charge back into the blood accordingly so the blood flows better which means you know, better blood flow means better energy cognition the lot that's the first thing secondly on thermography scans of the body with inflammation before and after 40 minutes of grounding you see a significant shift in in the scans so also people that report, and then this is more anecdotal, opposed to more science-based people that have inflammation or grounding, uh, sorry, um, like joint pains, 
arthritis and things like that find that when they incorporate grounding back in, they start to lose that and become much better. So that's the, that's kind of the, the proof or evidence behind, and I'm not talking about the peer-reviewed studies, which you can look at pub, on PubMed, the actual things behind earthing or grounding. Um, now, the other thing is, is if you think about um, Atomic Habits, for instance, which is a, obviously a famous book, very well accepted. One of the things I took from that book, which I'd always done historically anyway, was if I want to go out and I've got something to post, I'll put it in the middle of the doorway so I trip over it so I don't forget it. Okay. So with my workspace at home, when I am at home, I have a standing desk next to it. I have a rebounder so that I'm always, it's always there. So I see it. So in between calls or whatever, I can have three to five minutes of rebounding, which is good for circulation and emphatic flow. You know, I have a pull-up bar between the bathroom and the hallway. So every time I go through it, I can do it. There's these things set up. So when it comes to grounding in a garden, if you have a garden, you're much more likely to walk out and step in it and have your coffee in the morning grounding. Just have five minutes to yourself. If you don't have one, it's that little bit of extra effort where you don't trip over to do it. So when I lived in my last place, I had a massive garden. I'd get up every morning, I'd make my coffee, I'd walk out into the garden, look up at the sky, stand grounding for 15, 20 minutes, do my Instagram probably while in the garden, put the phone down when I walk back in and leave it. But now I don't have a good outside space in my apartment because I haven't been in London so much. I don't have a garden or a door to the outside. It's an apartment block. So I find it very difficult to go outside with my coffee. And then so then I come into the sofa and I sit on the sofa and I have an earthing floor mat where I stand. But then I play on my Instagram. And then 40 minutes later, I realized I've been playing on my Instagram, even though my morning miracles, which is my routine, I've forgotten about. So it's kind of like breaks that automatic pattern. So if you do live in a, an apartment and you haven't got an outside space, I understand it's very difficult. And even as a leading biohacker, it's very difficult we are humans, you know, if the bread's on the table, a lot of the time people will pick it up. Don't get, don't put it on the table. So the advice would be if you are to move, try and get somewhere where it makes it easy for you. Whereas when you're in the current place, for instance, here, I would get earthing bed sheet. You know, a couple of hundred pounds, you plug it into the earth point of the, the wall socket, earths you for seven or eight hours a night, every night, and you're getting the free electrons without having to go into the garden. And that's really where biohacking is dialing these things in. It's like, what are you missing? And what can we use technology-wise or nature-wise to reverse that? So that's an example. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big nature guy. One of the things that I've found has worked for me beautifully, especially when I travel, if I'm traveling to a place where there's a body of water, if I can like uh, go into for like a swim uh, after a flight, mm. I find that has tremendous just feeling. So once again, mm. is that, Part of the grounding elements so yes. with yeah it's the best part of grounding actually so if you think about standing on the ground barefoot on on sand or grass you're connected via the bottom of your foot when you're swimming you are immersed in it completely so you've got it's hyper grounded so it's almost like a turbo boost i would say so for instance i know that when i've slept badly and i'm on holiday or whatever and i go for a swim you come out feeling revived it can be a deficiency of electrons. And if you look at how our mitochondria or our, our batteries work, you see it's all about electrons, electron transport chain, and all the processes of energy production. So if you're feeling knackered, swimming is great, not only because of it's refreshing, but also because of the electrons that you get from it. So it's very intuitive of you. And it's funny because my girlfriend, Anna, she, I would say, is a city girl, typically but she loves swimming in natural 
bodies of water. When we look, she definitely needs grounding more than most people. In fact, her body really is reliant on it. And whenever she swims, she feels amazing. So that's one of the things that she's always intuitively felt she needed and she didn't know why. And so you tell her to incorporate grounding, have an earthing bed sheet or a bed system I have. And she feels so much better for it. it. Literally changes her immediately. Exactly. And it's like these little hacks you can do. Even when on holiday, I see a lot of times people swimming in the pool. I'm like, there's a sea. <laughs> like, what are you doing in a chlorine pool yeah. when there's an incredible, like, a, a body of sea salt, like, you know, water that's full of uh, magnesium, probably, and all these mm. other kind of minerals and that are so important to us. So, mm. versus like a pool full of sunscreen, most likely, and, and things like that. So, what are those other potential, you know, day-to-day -day things or just life general things that you believe are important for people to know as they're listening to us speaking right now? The next important thing would be natural light exposure. So it's basic. Again, it's another basic one. The, the problem is, is like a lot of the, a lot, the other key biohackers, uh, mutual friends um, and colleagues are generally more American or, or are American. And um, natural things aren't as sexy or sellable. And there's no, no, nothing against, obviously, my American colleagues at all. But the point is, is Americans are more financial, financial and... Um, What's also the culture, I think, yeah. of, of consumerism. Like, yeah. I've come from North America. I grew up in Canada. And especially even the difference between when you go to a place like New York or L.A., mm you cannot breathe without spending money. Like it's, it's just mm. the culturally, uh, a lot of the society is built around money, which also helps you actually make more money. It does help. Uh, however, when it comes to living a lifestyle, it can be, you know, this idea that you must buy something mm. uh, in order to improve. And this is one of the reasons why I am kind of, you know, one of the questions I'm asking and focusing on is more on the natural things. Because mm. I think we have at our disposable the greatest resources possible as we were talking about the ground mm. the sun which you're about to get to the air which mm. is probably going to be another topic we can kind of get into these basics uh or or sleep mm. which is probably one of the biggest factors as we discussed mm. but i find like these are the fundamentals yeah and if we can cover these yes okay we can then talk about maybe we will later in terms mm. of other supplementation and other things that we can do but i think without having these fundamentals covered like you're not going to, I think this idea that a pill is going to like do everything for you, it's not going to happen. I agree. And that was my point about Americans versus, you know, uh, European or myself is that English are far more reserved when it comes to these things and they always feel like they're being sold to. And, you know, we are a funny bunch. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deny it. We are a funny bunch. Um, I love the English. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the point is, is for the Americans, the natural stuff first isn't, in my opinion, as sexy. And they're like, well, you know, it's not going to be as effective being natural. You know, it's the same with the pharmaceutical world. If it's natural, it's probably not going to work as well. You know, and I think, unfortunately, saying sleep better, ground more, drink better water isn't sexy and isn't as sellable. And it's like, it's not as marketable and you can't make as much money from it. Therefore, is it as good? Point is, these are the fundamentals of health. And in fact, when I launched my course a year ago, I didn't do a course on biohacking or beginner's guide to biohacking. I did it on the fundamentals of health, which is less sexy and more risky. But for me, integrity wise, it's like sleep well, eat well, hydrate well, ground well, 
you know, love well, relate well, move well, et cetera, et cetera. All the basics. And once you've got those down, do anything you want to do within biohacking if you, if you find it fun. For instance, I love hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I love it. I opened a clinic on it. But until you're doing breath work or breathing properly and learning to breathe through your nose and says through your mouth and trying mouth taping and all the basic stuff, why would you do hyperbaric oxygen therapy at a couple of hundred bucks an hour? It's bonkers. It's almost like saying, okay, I don't want to sleep properly. Just give me a tablet that keeps me awake. Doesn't have longevity in it. In fact, I sat down with a longevity billionaire a couple of years ago, actually just before COVID. And I said to him, what are you doing for your health? And he was drinking a bottle of normal wine. And he said, nothing, I'm paying people to fix that one for me. He's doing nothing about it. Like literally nothing, but expecting to have longevity. He's 10 years older than me, and yet looked a lot more than 10 years older. So these fundamentals is my point. I completely agree. But I still dabble with everything else, and technologies and tracking and breathwork devices and hyperbaric chambers and blood filtering and ozone therapy and all these things are great fun. But unless you've got the fundamentals down, pointless. So that's exactly it. So yeah. So in regards to those fundamentals, um, one of the things you kind of touched on is about connection and relationships and mm -hmm. potentially, especially with having a partner, like skin to skin, probably touching, whatever it may be. I had a funny story from a, la uh, from a dinner I had yesterday. But anyways, uh, to not uh, digress, um, what is this kind of also the science in regards to connection and uh, that are that connection to health or mm -hmm. connection? Well, first of all, I think, as you well know, your network is your net worth. So number one, and it's like, I think there was a meme I saw on Instagram of all places, which was, you know, if you're, if you hang around with five millionaires, you'll be the fifth. If you hang around with five smokers, you'll be the sixth. You know, like if you hang around with five negative people, you'll be the sixth and blah, 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 blah. Our network is our net worth and that can be positive or negative. So that's number one. So choose those people wisely because they influence you without you even realizing it. Our language becomes that of our friends. You know, our mindset becomes that of our friends. And it only takes one bad egg, for instance, in a company setting to be toxic, to actually break that team up. Whereas if they're all growth mindset and helping each other, they become more of that. So, you know, in psychology, <clears throat> which is a large part of my background, was, you know, we become that more of what that which we are. And if you have someone that's the opposite, they will drag you down, but the average wins. So in terms of relationships or lovers or whatever, is that pick them wisely. Because if, for instance, you have a very stressful relationship, you know, that can completely change your life. It really can. And, you know, you'll be constantly in stress state, which means that because you're in stress state, you know, evolutionarily speaking, we're running away from a threat internally, which means our digestion shuts down, which means you can get IBS which means you're not processing your food properly, which means you're not getting your nutrients. So not only do you become more nutrient deficient, you're obviously not healing or sleeping as well. And it has a detrimental to your physical health just because of your mental health and vice versa. It works both ways. So selecting who you have, you know, is super important more than we realize. And if you have toxic friendships or very stressful friendships, you know, you should eject them. In fact, I learned this from Tim Ferriss back. 2014, I think I heard him do a podcast and he said, if 80% of your problems come from 20% of the people, you know exactly what to do. Actually, I brought out my business partner about three weeks after that, because it made me realize it was a toxic relationship and I was not happy and stressful and it was making me sick. So I brought him out as a result of that one quote and it's stuck with me ever since then. And it's like, if there is someone that causes too much drama, as much as I love them, 
there's too much drama or too much stress, it really can ruin your day and put you into a stress state, which then ruins your sleep. And you can see this in your data. Like, okay, I'll shy away from that. I just let them be. And then you select the good circle. You know, like in our mutual friends, for instance, all great eggs, all supportive, never bad words, no drama. Everyone's just trying to help lift everyone. And as a result, life becomes better, faster through compound effect. Yeah, even this morning, I actually woke up really early for some reason. And I, I texted one of my friends who just moved uh, here and is close. And I said, do you want to go for a run or a workout? He's like, yeah. He was up at 6 a.m., <laughs> you know, said yes. We went for a run. We did like a 15-minute visualization meditation. Uh, we did some pull-ups after and we just hung out. But it, it just showed me as well, like, the importance. If you have people like that in your life who will support you, who will keep you accountable, or be the ones who be like, hey, let's let's do this more physical exercise versus, hey, let's go drinking in a pub mm -hmm. and get wasted, you know, on, on a Friday night. Uh, as you said, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So it it shapes you as a person so much. And I've mm -hmm. seen also in regards to, as you said, kind of our mutual friends of in terms of business. Mm -hmm. When I find myself, say, hanging out with people who are just, you know, uh, really pushing themselves to the next level, I find like, wow, like, I can do that too. Like, why am I playing so small? I can mm -hmm. also do that. And they give you that mindset and belief. And I think part of the reason why, you know, we're doing this podcast at the moment as well is be able to share that with people, whether it be watching or listening, you know, hopefully while they're doing something you know, useful in terms of exercise or something like that, uh, to be able to take them to the next level. I personally, because uh, many people for a long time in my life, I didn't have actually friends. Mm. Because I just, as you said, I just chose like these people are not having positive effect on my life. I'll rather be alone. And I surrounded myself with friends like, you know, I would listen to Tony Robbins or Tim Ferriss or these people. They became my kind mm -hmm. of five uh, average friends until, of course, I realized and, and took action in my life to then create that uh, network. You know, mm -hmm. uh, my nephew who's here who's kind of helping us film and, and record this, you know, I always kind of also remind him of the importance of your network because and at the same time it's not built overnight you know let's say i hosted a dinner for a lot of people yesterday and you see all these successful people with you know crazy businesses or their influencers or their creators and making millions of dollars that took decades mm -hmm. so i think as well i just want to kind of say, say a reminder of you know first focus work on yourself uh, as you said uh really maybe eject people from your life yes it may sound harsh but it may be needed otherwise it's going to just drag you down um so I, other things in terms of to switch from this topic one of your favorite segments on your instagram which everyone should follow so it's uh, tim biohacker you can find that with that is kind of uh, do this like uh, this or not that like you it's like do you give people choices of what you should avoid uh and uh, there's a lot of but usually what to, there's a lot of what to avoid. Uh, and you're like, oh, crap, there's nothing I can eat in a grocery store, pretty much. Uh, so I'm curious of what are those things that uh, those top things that people should avoid that they, they may be potentially consuming on a daily basis? That's a good question. That's a good question. So first of all, I'd approach the, the reason why it's so negative in, in some cases. I mean, when I talk about what to avoid, people are like, I've got to avoid this. But it gets engagement. It gets people to see the post. For instance, I'll say, here's a problem. Like, avoid farmed salmon because it's the most toxic food that there is, in my opinion, like non-man-made. Avoid it. But here's what you do. Whereas if I go, 
eat wild salmon and avoid the farmed, people don't engage with it because it hasn't got the, you know, the, the, the stress response that goes with it. So the engagement is nothing. And so no one gets to see the content. So I did it actually, I did a reel specifically around this. It was like, I get it. You're annoyed because I'm sharing so much negative content. But when I talk about the positive stuff, people don't engage. I mean, like you don't see the newspapers with positive news spread all across the front. It's always fear driven because it gets us to get into the paper. It's exactly the same with Instagram. And unfortunately the people determine the algorithm and the algorithm determines the content. So yeah, that's why. So I just want to approach that. I don't want to do negative content all the time. And I do try to do some more positive things and I always give people solutions. So I don't just leave them hanging is avoid this. And then that's it. Um, but I think, the general rule over everything in a supermarket, and I'm actually going to do a reel inspired by Max Lugavere, actually, um, is a reel of what you can eat around the supermarket. And I'm going to see how well this does. But if you were to eat fruit, veg, organic clean meat, wild fish, herbs, coffee, herbal teas, maple syrup, of course, what else do you need? Like, really, I mean, it's, that is the fundamentals of food. You know, and as Jamie Oliver said once, food doesn't have ingredients, it is the ingredients. So why would you buy a packet meal that has 150 ingredients in, including titanium dioxide, which is now shown to cause multiple health issues and allergies? Why would you do that? You know, why wouldn't you just buy the ingredients and make it? Well, I think part of it is the convenience culture also very north american kind of inspired is all about convenience you know microwave and 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 make things instant and easy and, and <laughs> that's what we like you said we're we have these two biases right is our negativity bias mm -hmm. towards seeing the negative uh but also this uh bias towards how do we get things as fast as possible mm -hmm. and as as you know that's the easier sell get rich overnight uh, lose uh, 50 pounds in, in seven days whatever it is but uh, as you said, you know, one of the things is uh, James Clear book, Atomic Habits. I think one of the reasons why it's been so popular is that if you can create consistent daily habits of lifestyle, of the way you lead your life, it will ultimately create, you won't even have to think about it with time. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> what is your take in regards to creating those uh, an easy way so of some of the things that we discussed today, potentially creating those kind of habits in our lives that people can do because as you know we're the five minute journal people we like easy uh things that we can implement um mm. in our lives that can become a habit and then can give us all those benefits mm. i mean it's the habit is a heuristic it's a really good heuristic isn't it, it saves you having to think about other things and i think i mean you can do this with anything i mean if you were to write down for, to start for instance it's like how well did you sleep and on a one to ten and and give yourself a number out of 10 every day. Actually, I was discussing this with our mutual friend, Matas. It's like, imagine you could create an app where you scored everything on a, like for instance, I slept well, 10 points. I, I only ate organic, fresh prepped food, 10. You know, and you gave yourself a score out of 100 every day. It would gamify you to do better in each one of those things. So that's a good heuristic, a good way to keep a track of improving your lifestyle. Did I ground for 10 minutes? Okay, 100 points, you know, blah, 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 blah. If you had the list of sleep well, 
eat well, hydrate well, ground well, you know, these fundamentals and ticked that you did one each day, that's a good heuristic. It's just to remind you to keep on track, a ch daily check-in. Did I drink filtered water today? Did I drink enough water? Did I remineralize it? Whatever, whatever the metrics could be, that is a good enough heuristic. And even in the five-minute journal, did you do these things today? And give yourself a score at the end of the day, for instance. Yeah, we have actually the our five-minute journal fit edition mm -hmm. incorporates these. So we actually have the sleep, how much how much you slept, uh, how much water you drank. But now we know we have to not just drink water, but also uh, have minerals in it. Uh, and also just uh, keeping track of the habits that you have as well. Um, I think, you know, overall, I just want to thank you so much for the knowledge that you share. I think everyone should definitely follow you on uh, Tim Bio Hacker on Instagram or wherever they can find you. Is there anywhere else that you want to direct people to? Um, come to the Health Optimization Summit next June. Oh, yes, that's a good one. Well, yeah, this is definitely evergreen. Uh, it was incredible to see Mimi. Uh, actually, uh, my wife was at the summit as well presenting and you had incredible guests like, Ben Greenfield, uh, Jim Quick, um, so and all the really leaders in the space have put together. I guess maybe we can chat a little about uh, about the Health Optimization Summit, which is great. What was the idea around that? Like, why did you put this together? And it's pretty much your full time thing now. I did a meetup in London just because there wasn't many people like me back in 2017. I went to the Bulletproof Conference in Pasadena. Realized there's a great tribe of biohackers and health optimizers and whatnot. Came back to London, there was nothing. And, um, you know, I was hoping that I might find a healthy group of friends and maybe a healthy woman. So I started the meetup. It grew to two, three, four hundred people a month very quickly. People said, why don't you do a conference? And obviously after being at the Bulletproof Conference and various other ones, I was like, actually, England doesn't have this, so I'm going to start it. Crazy idea. Don't ask me why. And if I knew then what I knew now, I wouldn't have done it for sure. Because as you know, from organizing an event, there's a million things and like a top, top line thing unpacks to be 50 different tasks below it. And I did it with, you know, one other person mainly in year one, um, but we pulled it off. So, um, it was just really to centralize the community in England or Europe and bring, you know, this mindset together and also to bring the best from the U S and Europe into London so that we could all benefit from the amazing event that I'd had in the U S it's kind of grown from there. It was like 1100 year one. 2100 year two, 2600 year three. So we're growing and now we're just working on actually going to America. So I'm hoping to do that in October or November next year. Oh, wow. Crossing over. Well, uh, mm. when's the next health optimization summit? Uh, June, 2024. Oh, there yeah. you go. So you can probably sign up now and, and check it out. I was there. It was great people. I've actually met so many also uh, old and new friends. So it was uh, incredible of having you create this experience for so many people and get people be part of the community. Because I think one of the things that we discussed, you know, I think the way you create this also new network of friends of your five, you know, uh, average friends that you hang out with, you have to go to those places uh, where of the vision of who you want to become to be. Uh, and you won't find them in the pub. That's maybe you will so, sometimes, but it, it's a, it'll be a rare law of averages, uh, you know, like a law of averages, where you go to a place where people are there to improve themselves. And as you said, you can find a wife. I'm sure that's that's a measure of the event. I'm sure there's some people who hooked up and and mm -hmm. created families together and things like that. So uh, overall, I just want to uh, to end this. I just want to show my gratitude for the work that you're doing for inspiring people all over the world to lead healthier lives and to have healthier habits and, and ultimately, you know, uh, just have a great time on this planet together. So thank you so much, Tim. Really Thanks appreciate it. Me.